الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم سبحان الذي أسرى بعبده ليلا من المسجد الحرام إلى المسجد الأقصى الذي باركنا حوله لنريه من آياتنا إنه هو السميع البصير وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم الصلاة عماد الدين من أقامها فقد أقام الدين ومن هدمها فقد هدم الدين أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم موسس فتر غلاء كرام ردزن اللز <coughs> there's an examination that a person has to be writing so the examination sometimes is aware that it is still a while away still months away and he is familiar with the work also <coughs> despite that any student who is serious about trying to pass the examinations then he will revise and revise again and revise even a third time and a fourth time and then the night before the exams he will still refresh everything why because he wants to pass the examination from time to time people phone please make dua i got this very important exams coming up tomorrow is this exam tomorrow is that exam some school exam some university exam so allah taala make everybody successful in every exam of dunya and akhirat but the real exam is the exam of akhirat but the concern that we show for the exams of dunya often the same level of concern is not shown for the exam of akhirat whereas exam of akhirat is nearer than the exam of dunya a person's eyes close now then the questions of the grave are already in front of him and qiyamah is certainly coming so in order to prepare for this exam these revisions take place from time to time to revise some lessons that we have heard repeatedly but the question is that how much of these lessons are in our lives because we have to pass this exam and to the extent that we have brought these lessons in our lives to that extent we pass unlike the exams of dunya a person knows the theory sometimes it's a practical issue he knows the theory and he is not familiar with the practice also he will still pass though in some cases he will have to now go through some training to get through the practical part of it also but in terms of our deen the passing is not merely on knowing facts and figures the person knows it's five times is compulsory to perform salah five times a day that's done now oh the question will be that did, did that salah get performed five times a day or not 
the person knew zakat is compulsory. The question will be that was that zakat discharged. A person knew that to lie is haram. The question will be that did you always speak the truth? A person knew to backbite is forbidden. The question will be that did you keep yourself free from backbiting? And like that, all the other aspects, those things that need to be done, the things we need to save ourselves from. So this is an examination. And part of that preparation is this revision. Not for the sake of merely just to repeat some things of historical significance and then we feel we've done a great service to Islam and Deen and then we just wait for maybe in the next year to come. Oh, the issue is how will this take us forward? One poet regarding the Mi'raj of Rasulullah he says that you went beyond the seven heavens. The incident we've heard many, many times. And this is that miraculous incident, that miracle, which was the greatest miracle that any Nabi had been blessed with. The Quran Sharif is the everlasting miracle till Qiyamah. And this particular miracle of Mi'raj, and everything about it is miraculous. Some people don't want to accept miracles. They say, no, there's no such thing as a miracle. Our very existence is a miracle. The ruh and the soul within us is a miracle. How that heart is pumping and the blood is circulating, that's a miracle. How the air is getting absorbed into the lungs and then getting absorbed into the blood and getting circulated throughout the body, all that is a miracle. What is not a miracle? This very system of this dunya Allah Ta'ala has created is a miracle. So in any case, Nabi Islam was blessed with this miracle. The incident is well known to us. Allah's Nabi Islam left from, was taken from Makkah Mukarrama by the angels who came first and washed his Mubarak heart with the water of Zamzam and then took him on the Burak from Makkah Mukarrama from Baytullah to Masjid Aqsa where he performed the Salah with all the Anbiya Salam following him and then from there Allah Ta'ala took him to the seven heavens and beyond he met all the various Anbiya on the different skies and then went to that point where Jibreel also said now I can't go beyond this now it's only you will go alone and Allah Ta'ala showed him Jannat, showed him Jahannam and then he came back and all this happened in a very short span of time so now this miraculous journey that took place this poet is describing this in this couplet. He's saying, Tera mi'raj ke tu loho kalam tak poncha. Because in one hadith, Nabi Islam says, I went to such a level, so high, that I heard the sound of the pins of the scribes, the angels that are scribes. 
that from the Lohi Mahfuz, the preserved tablets, what Allah Ta'ala has distinguished and is already there, they record from there and then they pass on the instruction to the other angels that you do this and you do this. I heard the sound of those pens on that paper. So this is what is being referred to. Your Mi'raj is you went till this height. When not even the closest angel of Allah Ta'ala went. What is my Mi'raj? And that is our question today. Allah's Nabi Wasallam went for Mi'raj. That Mi'raj happened once in his lifetime. Where he went physically, body and soul. That happened once. He didn't get repeated after that. The physical journey of Mi'raj didn't recur. It happened once. Allah's Nabi Sallallahu was blessed with this great mu'ajizah and something beyond what any Nabi of Allah Ta'ala was blessed. But now the poet is putting a question, what is our mi'raj? So he was blessed with his mi'raj, our mi'raj also has to be something. And the question is, have we come onto this mi'raj that Allah Ta'ala wants us to come on? So he says, mera mi'raj ke me tere qadam tak poncha. My mi'raj is, that I come to your footsteps. I reach your footsteps, that's my marriage. Allah sums it up in this couplet. That what is this? The footsteps of Rasulullah, this is the pathway to Jannat. And we need to reach Allah Ta'ala. The way to get there is the way of the Sunnah of Rasulullah Sallallahu So this is our Mi'raj. Our Mi'raj is we bring our life in accordance to the way of Rasulullah Sallallahu What he thought, how he conducted himself, what gave him that great position and status in the sight of Allah Ta'ala. The occasion of Mi'raj, as we said, was the greatest miracle. And in the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala describes it in which words? Subhanalladhi asra bi'abdihi Subhanalladhi asra bi'abdihi Laylam min al-masjid al-haram ila al-masjid al-aqsa That glory be to Allah Pure is that being Who took his abd, his slave Now this is that journey where Nabi Islam went to the highest level and describing that journey which took him to the highest level, what is the attribute that Allah Ta'ala uses for him? Allah Ta'ala took his abd. Abd in Arabic means slave. That because Nabi Sallallahu was the greatest abd of Allah Ta'ala. He was the Rasul of Allah. He was the Nabi of Allah. He was Habibullah. And he was everything that Allah Ta'ala has blessed anybody and more. But the greatest attribute among all those was also that he was the greatest slave of Allah Ta'ala. The humblest human being that could have been, had ever set foot on earth. And because his abdiyat, his servitude to Allah Ta'ala, and his humility was the greatest, he reached the highest rank. Now this is our mi'raj. That we also bring this humility in us. This is a lesson of Mi'raj. 
bring this humility, this tawadu, this abdiyat, this servitude to Allah Ta'ala. And humble ourselves, become the humble servants of Allah Ta'ala. And to the extent we will humble ourselves, to that extent Allah Ta'ala will elevate us. Most of the issues in our societies, in our personal lives, in our family lives, most of the problems that come up, often the bottom line is, often, not necessarily always, often the bottom line is that we haven't learned tawazo. We haven't learned humility. And when there is humility in reality, then three quarters of the problems will just disappear. If there is humility in reality, three quarters of the problems will disappear. Insan is insan. He can slip up. And Allah Ta'ala showed us examples of sometimes people slipped very high-ranking people. Sometimes out of human error, once in a blue moon, once in years, they slipped also just in a moment but then because they were filled with this tawazo with this humility that slip was rectified in moments also one Sayyidina Abu Bakr he was Umar and there was something in passing he just mentioned by chance something he said and Hazrat Umar felt hurt about it. So when he felt hurt about it, so he woke up and he started moving away. Bubakir immediately realized that this was not a thing to have said. Now one is that this slip up happened, it happened once in a very, very rare situation to start over. Because they were extremely careful. But Allah Ta'ala made these rare occurrences happen, so we learn a lesson. But now somebody who is filled with tawazo, how does he react? One is us, how we will react? Somebody walked away, his business. He went away, let him carry on. And if he's walking, tell him run and go. One is how we will react. Abu Bakr immediately wakes up and now he goes behind him. And he says, that please forgive me. Who is saying Siddiqui Akbar The greatest human being after all the Ambiya And he's not finding it below his dignity to ask somebody to forgive him and pardon him. Why is this so easy for him? It's easy because of that humility. It's easy because of this abdiyat in him that he regards himself as nobody, no whatever he is. And this is where tawazu really is, in the heart. The reality of tawazu and humility is in the heart. So he immediately comes and he asks for mouth, please forgive me. And at that moment, Hazrat Umar was a bit upset. So he carried on walking and then he went away to his house. He closed the door. And he closed the door, now what does he do? Abu Bakr came straight to the majlis of Rasulullah Umar at that moment also human nature for that moment he got upset but he didn't say anything he didn't say one word 
But now, barely moments later, after he came into his house, uh, there was tawazu in him also. He was also filled with this tawazu. So immediately reflects that how could I have done this? The man even asked me for forgiveness too and I didn't even say anything. So he comes out of his house looking for Abu Bakr He comes to his house, says not here. He also comes to the majlis of Rasulullah For what? Forgive me now, I made a mistake. Now when this, can this happen? When there's the reality of tawazu. As he's coming, Nabi Sallallahu has Abu Bakr already given him the incident, what happened? Nabi Sallallahu says to him, Allah forgive you, don't worry. Now Umar is coming. And Nabi Sallallahu sees him coming. And his face is changing color. That the treatment that was meted to Abu Bakr wasn't correct. Abu Bakr sees this also. So what does he do? He understands now that this is going to become a, possibly a problem for Umar. He stands up on his knees out of that extreme humility. He says, Kuntu ana azlam ya Rasulullah. Kuntu ana azlam ya Rasulullah. My fault. It's my fault. Don't, don't tell him anything. Now he's defending the person who he was just now sort of upset with. Where can all this happen? It can happen only with tawazu. Otherwise, every small little thing takes a person to another height. Shouting and screaming. And then the poor doors don't get left also. He starts slamming the doors. And then, you know what soon the windows did, then the windows get slammed. Allah forbid sometimes the dishes also, they bear the brunt of it. And insan also bears the brunt of it. All these things around also bear the brunt of it. Why? Because this one person now, he is gone on another height now. You say he went off on a tangent. Allah, what what new terminologies come up nowadays? He flew off the rails and he lost it, and all these kind of things happen. But what's the essential thing? Essential thing is lack of tawazu. So a person doesn't stop to first think. He doesn't stop to first reflect. Where am I? What am I doing? What am I saying? Who am I hurting? Am I breaking somebody's heart? Nothing. Whatever comes in the mind, then he will just carry on. But when there's tawazu, then a person can digest many things. Because whatever has happened to me, or was said to me, or was done to me, I'm worse than that. And Buzruk was walking, and somebody threw some dirt from the top. Some ash. They threw it from the top. The fireplace, so now they cleaned the fireplace out, they threw the ash out. It was a wrong, terrible thing to do, just throw it from the top. So it fell on this Buzruk. He was walking with some people along the time. This ash fell on, fell on him. He immediately said, Alhamdulillah. Are you surprised? Is this a moment to say Alhamdulillah? This is something to say Inna Lillah about. So he said, I didn't say Alhamdulillah that ash fell on me. I immediately reflected that I am such a person that I was deserving of fire to rain down on me. I said Alhamdulillah, fire didn't come. Only ash came. 
So from the depth of the heart, they regarded themselves as nothing. They regarded themselves as deserving of fire raining upon themselves. And when somebody did something or said something which was minor, comparatively, they felt very grateful that I wasn't treated worse off. So when can this happen? When the stawas were inside. In the life of Rasulullah this whole his whole life was tawazu. His whole life was this living humility. Person comes to him and he's inviting Nabi Sallallahu Inviting him for a meal. And what does he say? Up front he's expressing it that there is some dry bread and some stale fat. Would you please come and join me for some I would like to invite you, but this is all I have. Imagine somebody comes and tells us that. I've just got some dry bread, I want to invite you home. Say what I'm one of those fouls or something on the peck of the dry bread. Allah's Nabi would readily accept that invitation. Or when this is possible, this is possible when there's that tawazu, when there's that humility. In one hadith it is mentioned that once Rasulullah was with some sahaba, they were travelling, they stopped and rode somewhere. So one person said, I will do this, I will chop the wood. One person said, I will do this, I will do that. Allah's Nabi said, I will do this task. They said, no, we will do it, don't worry. No, I also need it. I can also do it. At home, the Aisha radiallahu ta'ala was asked, what was the Islam at home? There was a man among men, just a person. At home, he was just another person like others. And what he would do at home? So she's now describing in detail. That if there was a need for him to mend his shoes, He'll do it himself. Who? That personality who Allah Ta'ala has blessed with the highest rank in dunya and akhirat. And if there was a need for him to mend his shoes, he'll mend his shoes. With his own hands. If he needed some milk and the goat was there to be milked, which was regarded as a very menial task. He would go and milk that goat himself. Don't ask anybody to do it. Can we do these things? Meaning menial tasks in the home. He would sometimes sweep the home. This is also sunnah. Generally our sunnah is restricted to that is it sweet? Is it sunnah to eat something sweet before or the end of the meal? That is a sunnah that we we'll practice on. But this is also the sunnah of Rasulullah that he assisted in household chores. How many times we practice from this sunnah? We have some small little position of some sort. We are promoted as the manager of some two by four company. Then it becomes beyond our dignity to do anything at home. Allah's Nabi to all the kings of the world also can't compare to the dust on his shoes. Allah's Nabi is doing household chores, he's helping his family. Anasati Allah says, 
He was a little boy. And once now, as it happens, little children, so his nose started running. So somebody was sitting, they said, okay, let me, let me sort this out. Let me start smoke up first, you know, I'll sort it out. I'll clean it for you. <coughs> this is showing what? This is showing that total humility. And this is the lesson for us. This is our mi'raj. Tera mi'raj ke tu loho kalam tak poncha. Tera mi'raj ke me tere kadam tak poncha. I reach your way. I reach your footsteps. I reach your feet. That is my mi'raj. The beast has some feet on the ground. We reach that ground. That is our mi'raj. So this is a humility to learn. And we look into the lives of our kabir. The same lesson they taught. Total humility. Complete humility. Great personality of his time taught Hadith Sharif in Madina Munawwara in front of the Rosa Mubarak for 17 years. And then he migrated to India. One day he was traveling in the train. So, as he was on en route, one Hindu person was sitting in the same coach. The Hindu person woke up to go and use the toilet. So he went, very stepped into the toilet, and faster than he went in, he came out. And he came and sat back on his seat. Observed this and he immediately realized what's the story. And how people use these facilities and amenities, and unfortunately, it's a very sad thing that we also don't display the kind of akhlaq that we have been taught by Rasulullah. Like a person now, nowadays, we travel sometimes maybe by plane, some other public transport. When we use that facility, do we leave it in a better condition than we found it or worse off? Now, sometimes a Muslim uses it and comes out. And now behind him, standing right at the door, is some non-Muslim who wants to use it. He takes one step in and walks out. He says, I can't even use this place now. And here there's a Hindu now just stepped in and he saw what the condition was, he came out. Same time. Madhya Rahmatullah Ali realized what happened. He didn't need to use the toilet. Very quietly he woke up. And there were a lot of some like, cigarette boxes and so on. This is not some kind of endorsement that is okay to smoke. In any case, he picked up some of these things quietly. And he took his lota along, his water jug. And then he quietly went away to the toilets. And then when, on his own, he cleaned up the toilet completely. Can we imagine? And then he came out, and all he came and said to this Hindu, that you can go use the toilet. The person said, the toilet is not possible to use. He said, no, no, I went and checked up now. It's fine, you can go use it. He said, I went already. He said, no, I checked up now, it's fine. He's not even saying, I did it. I just came to inform him because he knew this person now needed, had a need. So he came and told him, you can go. And this person went. When he went, he realized what happened now. What he saw it in, condition he saw it in first, and what's the condition now? In any case, after he used the toilet and came back, he was so overcome by this. He said that, you have deeply affected me. Now, 
Allah knows best later on this became the means of the person's iman or not but he was so grateful that this person doesn't know me from anywhere and then even knows I'm not part of his faith and he did this service for me but who can do it we can't humble ourselves through something in our own homes where are you going to do it in some public place for somebody who is not even known to us but this is that humility this is that tawazu and this brings that peace this brings that unity of the hearts this brings that happiness and this tawazu because now in this tawazu there won't be anger when a person has the reality of tawazu there won't be uncontrolled anger he won't be snapping all the time <laughs> he'll be able to take things because he's humble within himself when there is the reality of tawazu then he will be ready to serve he won't be there demanding service do this for me and do that for me and why wasn't this right and why wasn't that right and then using all abusive languages vulgar languages and what not because this wasn't done to the way i wanted but that wasn't provided to me how i wanted and there wasn't sugar in the tea what not where is all this from the lack of this tawazu this is this lesson of miraj to develop this tawazu yeah insan insan can err will err also but if there is this reality of tawazu he will very quickly rectify his mistakes so this is the first lesson of this miraj many many incidents of our kabir in this time doesn't permit one more incident that comes to mind has a sheikh ul hind maulana mahmud hasan abdullah ali the first muhaddis of darul ulum deoban the first student also he was and then later on became a muhaddis one alim came to his to visit him so from that place where this alim had come some hindu person also had some work in deoban so he knew him he said let me join you on your journey i got my work to do so they came along when they reached this person went to do his work and this alim came to the sheikh ul hind rahmatullah ali's place and later that evening that person finished his work he said i will stay where you stay because i came with you he became the guest of the sheikh ul hind also is a hindu so alim states that that night now i am sleeping on one bed this hindu is sleeping on the other bed late at night i sent suddenly that had the sheikh ul hind now is the great faqih and jurist of the time great muhaddis of the time great sheikh of the time i just sensed he has entered the room he said i just carried on sleeping that i don't know maybe he just came for something why should i just now make it known that i'm awake he now get worried about that he said i remained sleeping but i was now away he's walked in But then I notice now he's coming straight to the bed of this Hindu, and he sat down on the side. Now this was a very common thing in India and so on. Out of ikram of the guest, somebody is a guest, whatever. So to make the person comfortable, then they would put him off to sleep very comfortably, massage his legs for a while. Very common thing. So the Sheikh Ulhim Rahmatullahi came and sat down at the corner of this person's bed. I started massaging his leg. This person started snoring even more deeply. So now, when 
This alim says, I saw this. This personality, he's pressing the legs of this Hindu. Because I quickly woke up. I said, let me do this. I'll do this. You go sleep. So you just remain where you are. He's my guest. He's in my house and he's my guest. It's my responsibility to make him comfortable. I will do this. This is that ikram of the guests who he doesn't know from anywhere. And who's a Hindu. And to come and make this ikram, who can do this? Only such a person can do it. Who's got filled with humility. One personality who had passed away some 10-12 years ago, a little more, the Qari Siddiq Bangi Sahib who had come to South Africa many times. There are many ulama of South Africa who had studied at his madrasa in India. Very rural place. So one South African alim. He says that he stayed there for some time. And at that time, up to that time, because a very rural place, and this was about some 35, 40 years ago, it was still the bucket system, the toilets. He says, but every morning, everything used to be clean. And he says, this carried on for a while. I was there for some time. One day I needed to go to the toilet very late at night, long past midnight. You see, when I, as I approached, now the toilet used to be a little bit distant away. I heard like somebody else is there. So I thought maybe now somebody is using the toilet, I must wait. But suddenly I see that it is none other than Qari Siddiq Sabrahmatullah who's busy cleaning up the toilet because the mehman, the guests will use it in the morning, they'll need it clean. He is the host, he is the great personality of the time. Great, great ulama and mashayikh would come sit at his feet. And he, at that late hour, and he's cleaning up the toilet. And he suddenly saw this, and this person was a student also at that time, studying somewhere, and he'd come to spend some time there. He saw him and he quickly held, got hold of him. He said, dare you tell anybody about this as long as I'm living. Until he was living, this person didn't have the himmat to ever say it. After he passed away, he then exposed it. This is what I saw with my own eyes. This is what I experienced firsthand. That at that late night, at that late hour, he was busy cleaning up the toilets for his guests. This is just a little glimpse of what was in these people's lives, what was in their hearts, this tawazu. They were totally humble from within. They thought nothing of themselves. And as a result, they could conduct themselves in a way that didn't cause any taklif to anyone and rather gave comfort to everyone. That is the essence of this tawaz. So in any case, this is the one lesson of Mi'raj. And then the other lesson of Mi'raj is that on this miraculous journey, Allah wa ta'ala gave Rasulullah that gift of Mi'raj. It was the five daily salam. All the other ahkam and the commands of Allah Ta'ala were revealed to Rasulullah while he walked on earth. But this was such a great gift that he was called to the seven heavens and beyond and presented this gift there. And how much of concern the Islam had for this? That while his last moments were, while his last breaths were leaving him, he was on his last moments of life, passing away from this dunya, and what is on his tongue? As-salah wa ma malakat imanukum. 
Be conscious of your salah and be conscious of your treatment of your servants. Be conscious of your salah. Now this is Mi'raj. Tomorrow morning at the time of Fajr also, it is time for our Mi'raj. And Zuhar, Asar, Maghrib, Isha is a time for our Mi'raj to come onto the way of Rasulullah To perform that salah daily without fail and to perform it with jama'ah in the masjid. Once Nabi he expressed his feelings regarding those who don't perform the salah in the masjid without a valid excuse. It was my feeling, my desire that I asked somebody else to lead the salah. And then I would go to the homes of those who do not come to the masjid. Not that they don't perform the salah. They perform it. But they don't come to the masjid. And there isn't a valid reason for them not coming. It was my desire that I go and set fire to their homes. Had it not been for the women and children in the homes, I would have done it also. Who is saying this? Rahmatul lil alameen. He's expressing his pain. This was an expression of pain. I'm so pained by somebody who doesn't come to the masjid to perform the salah despite not having a valid reason to do so. Only somebody is ill, somebody has some other genuine reason that will not make it possible for them to come to the masjid. It's a different issue. Otherwise, when a person is within certain distance from the masjid, it is wajib for him to attend the salah of the masjid. The Jamaat is wajib to perform Salah with Jamaat and great emphasis for him to be in the Masjid from this Hadith of Understanding. And the regular performance of this Salah, in one Hadith it is mentioned once Nabi Sallallahu was with the Sahaba Ikram and en route they stopped late at night. So now everybody was extremely tired, the journey of those days. So last Nabi Sallallahu first question, everybody is going to go to sleep now, who is going to wake us up for Fajr? How they perform some salat, etc. Who's going to wake us up for Fajr? Now, do we first set the alarm for Fajr? Or do we set it for breakfast? And we go to bed. What is that alarm set for? This is a lesson of Mi'raj. So to set that alarm for good time to make it to the masjid. So in any case, has the Bilal Adilano volunteered, I'll wake everybody up. So everybody went to rest. Nabi Sallallahu got busy with some salah. Finally, he also went to rest. Allah Ta'ala made it happen such that nobody's eyes opened. And as it was now approaching dawn, Hazrat Bilal Ta'ala went to sit facing the eastern horizon. But just now he'll see the brightness, he'll wake everybody up. And he was also tired to the journey and awake the whole night. So he just leant against something and the next thing he dozed off. In one moment he was gone. When Allah Ta'ala made this happen, this one occasion, that the Ummah will come to know that if perchance they miss their Salah, what is to be done? So in any case, the time passed and suddenly the sun rose and the first person that wakes up is Rasulullah and he wakes up with a shock. When we wake up by chance and we missed our salat, we wake up by sh- with shock. Well, it's one of those things. That is, if we missed it by chance, 
And if we set the alarm for breakfast, then what can we ask? Allah's Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam woke up in a shock. He said, oh Bilal, what happened? He wakes up. Uh, he realized what happened. But it was something beyond him. He didn't mean to sleep away. He said, oh Nabi of Allah, that being who hold back, held back your soul, held back my soul also. I made all the, took all the effort to make sure that I don't sleep. In that one moment, I was just leaning to look at the horizon and I fell asleep. Fell asleep. What do I do now? Allah's Nabi Sallallahu tells everybody, all the Sahaba, who's there? Nabi Sallallahu is there. Abu Bakr is there. Hazrat Umar is there. Rest of the Sahaba are there. Nabi Sallallahu everybody move immediately from here. They move some distance ahead. Say, now stop now. Everybody first make the qaza of that fajr. So why we moved away from there? So that is a place where the effects of shaitan are there. Now they missed their salah completely by chance. All arrangements in place. Nabi Islam is saying the effects of shaitan were there. Let us move away from here. When the salah is missed deliberately, what effects of shaitan will be there? And then what effects of shaitan will come in that home? Or what kind of peace and happiness there will be there? Or what kind of unity will be there? All the opposite will be there. They'll be fighting all the time, and they'll be crawling, and there'll be all kinds of lack of barakat. So the effects of shaitan are constantly there. So this is a lesson of ma'raj. To bring that barakat in our homes, to bring that happiness, to bring that peace, bring salah alive. Bring salah alive five times a day in our home. That the people of the house, the ladies, the children, they are performing the salah in the house. And the men, coming to the masjid. And this will bring that barakat in that house. It will bring that happiness. It will bring that unity. It will unite the hearts. And together with that, all the salah of the day. This is the message of Mi'raj. The first thing to be questioned on the day of Qiyamah is salah. Nabi Islam left the world giving us the same message. This is the lesson of Mi'raj that we have to imbibe, that we have to bring in our lives. This is the revision. Uh, to reflect. We hear so many things, mashallah. Very good. This is something that we should keep listening. And keep speaking. But the big question is to then, do we reflect upon it? That is a very important thing thereafter. To sit down and reflect. What I've learned, how am I going to now progress in this? What steps I'm going to take? How am I going to improve in this? This is the purpose of these discussions for me and for all of us to reflect upon it and to take active steps to move ahead to progress to improve then we'll find that this dunya also will become jannat for us and the real jannat obviously is waiting allah tabarak wa ta'ala grant me and all of us allah ta'ala enable us to take these lessons of maraj allah ta'ala grant us the reality of this tawazu and this humility Allah grant us the importance of salah in our lives. Enable us to perform our five times salah with jama'ah, with complete khushu and khudu, with that concentration, with that devotion, in the sunnah manner, in a way that Allah becomes pleased. Wa akhir da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allahumma laka alhamdulillahi wa laka shukru kulluh. Allahumma la maqsi thana'an alayk anta kama afnayt ala nafsik. Jazallahu anna nabiyana muhammadan sallallahu alayhi wa sallam abimahu wa ahduh. ربنا ولمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين رب اغفر وارحم واعفو وتكرم 
وتجاوز عما تعلم إنك أنت العزيز الأكرم ربنا توفنا مسلمين وألحقنا بالشهداء والصالحين غير خزايا ولا نداما ولا مفتونين اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر مستعانك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه معين والحمد لله